welcome to Fertility Help Hub's podcast. I'm Eloise, the founder and editor, and each week we bring you expert interviews, reader stories, holistic products, and more. Subscribe to our podcast for free so you never miss an episode. Today I am chatting with Hayley, who is a donor-conceived adult who found out that she was donor-conceived later on in life. And I'll be asking her questions about how she feels about that. And also the fact that she has used a donor herself to have a family with her wife. Uh, So it's a very interesting conversation that we'll be having. And I'm sure many people will be interested to know Hayley's views on uh, donor conception and her personal story. So welcome, Hayley. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. So we've read your story and you told me a bit about it um, and obviously appreciate and understand that you have had a tough time finding out that you were donor conceived from a later age in life. Can you tell us a little bit more about that story? Yes, sure, no problem. Um, so yeah, I, I could say I was um, born in the early um, 80s in the UK to a traditional mum-dad family um, and I had a really, really great childhood um and like I say I I didn't find out till very late in life I was in my early 30s that I was actually donor conceived um it was more of a like I say growing up I was aware that I was an IVF baby um because my parents had um a number of like newspaper articles and things like that because back in the 80s obviously IVF was still extremely unusual Um, So it was quite a celebrated story that I was an IVF baby, but um, sadly what I didn't know and and what I found out later in life um, was that they'd used donor sperm as part of the sort of pioneering treatment. Um, And that sadly was um, told to me during a family argument um, in 2015. So it was a total shock, as you can imagine, to kind of, I I had no idea um, about anything to do with that. And it was the way I found out was quite um, hurtful. And then obviously, um, you know, I was you say in my early thirties th- to find out that information was sort of very, you know, pretty life changing. I can't even imagine. I mean, did you have any feelings or inklings growing up that something might be different to, as you said, a sort of traditional family uh, upbringing? Yeah, it's, it's really weird. Um, I think I've heard the phrase, the phrase, um, the thought unknown, um, before, which is, and it really struck home to me. So it's something that until you kind of know the facts, you actually start looking back at things. And some things I think make more sense now that I know I'm donor conceived, um, little things like I don't actually really look very like my dad, although we have similar coloring. Um, I always just used to think that I looked like my mum, but actually, yeah, me and my dad don't really, obviously don't look anything alike apart from sort of the fair hair. Um, And I I just assumed it was more, I was more like him in personality. But weirdly, um, if I sort of, as I just mentioned, I obviously knew that I was an IVF um, child. Um, When my parents actually, they actually sat me down as like quite a specific discussion to tell me that part. Um, and I was about 12 years old and I, it's such a vivid memory that I have. And I almost like I remember thinking as a child that they were going to tell me I was adopted. And I have no idea where that's come from. But I remember being a 12 year old thinking when they sat me down. I remember it was so clear, sat down on their bed. They got all the paper newspaper articles out. Um, and I've since asked my parents about that event. And they said that they did consider telling me at that point in time that I was that they'd used a donor to, to, to have me, but because they didn't have any information on the donor, or at, at that time, they didn't even know 100% whether or not the donor sperm had worked. 
Um, so they, they, they thought better of it basically and, and didn't tell me, but yeah, when, when people have asked me this question before, there are certain things like that. Well, now I know the truth. It kind of makes a little bit more sense. Of course. Yeah. Do you have any siblings? No, I'm an only child, but I, I well, I have, I don't have, I have donor siblings. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I can talk about that later, but, um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't raised with any, any siblings, brothers or sisters. No. And when you found out this information, I mean, I know this is completely theoretical and how do you answer this question? But I guess I'm asking this because I have sperm donor conceived children and I'm just interested to know um, how, you know, just to try and get my head into understanding how they may feel at different stages. We are, we, we, we're already telling them um, from now, you know, they're three and four, but do you feel like you would have been less, affected by it if you had known from the beginning and it had been less of a secret that was revealed to you as you mentioned in a in an argument yeah I I definitely think um it's best to tell children as young as possible and I think um even the research suggests now that the best time is is to the point where a child actually can't remember being told so almost literally you know talking about donor conception and their birth story if you like and their conception story before you know children can even talk or you know get to that kind of um developmental age where they can kind of really process it I think that's the kind of guidance and I from my own personal experience I would 100% agree with that um I think obviously if there are parents listening to this that haven't told their children it's you know I would still say let them hear it from you because um, I know of lots of other donor conceived people that have found out through other methods, you know, whether that's taking DNA tests randomly, you know, the, the genetic kits that you can buy these days, um, or they found out from another family member, or like you say, I found out in an argument. So, you know, the environment wasn't the best way. Um, so I think um, definitely tell as young as you can, if not, you know, it, an ideal situation from birth. Um, and also I think being able to tell your child from such a young age, um, it helps um, them feel comfortable with their own situation and their story. And it makes us as parents feel, because, you know, I'm obviously a parent to donor conceived children too. So it makes the whole situation a lot, um, a lot easier to deal with. And it kind of, it, it does well to kind of break down the barriers, I think with donor conception, because some people still see it as quite, you know, a bit of a t- taboo topic or um, a bit, you know, some people don't like to talk about it because they're ashamed, you know, they've had to use a donor and things like that. So I think, Honesty, openness, and from a young age is is all all good things to do, yeah. Amazing to hear your story. Thank you so much. So now looking back, and you mentioned that you you had some thoughts, you remember being sat down to be told that you're an IVF baby. Do you feel, once this had sort of come out in the open, did it change the way you view your dad? And how do you feel about your donor, as I know that you talk about him as your biological father? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, um, when I first found out the truth, it, you know, my dad is still my dad. That will never change. He's he's the man that's raised me, um, you know, did all the taking me to my hockey matches, helped me with my schoolwork. Still, you know, he is probably the first person I would ring in a crisis still, even though I'm like nearly 40. Um, we still have a very good relationship. I mean, I found out in 2015, just to kind of put it in perspective for now. So I've known for going on nearly seven years now and it, it hasn't changed our relationship in the sense of um you know 
that you know the, the daughter um father role but I am aware now that there is another person who you know I I refer to as my biological father um who was also involved in in creating me and has also influenced me in ways maybe you know genetic ways um whereas my dad has influenced me you know growing up um I also have a biological father who has, has also haven't had an influence on me and in, in who I am um but in terms of me thinking about my dad then no not it hasn't changed at all you know he's, he's still very much my dad and we're still really very close so what do you think the difference is between saying donor and biological father or genetic father um there's quite a lot of debate at the moment i i don't know if any of your listeners are on instagram and um which is where i've just um started my account recently and there's lots of debate at the moment about terminology and what phrases to use with children especially um for me my story i when i first found out i was donor conceived i would just refer to say the so the person that made you know makes up 50% of my dna i would refer to him as the donor um or my donor even this is back sort of 6 7 years ago um because i didn't know who he was um he was kind of like i've said it before a bit like a mythical creature <laughs> i had no my parents didn't have any information about him i didn't have a photograph the clinic where my parents had treatment which is still in existence today um born hall um i contacted them back in 2015 and they literally had no records whatsoever um about who who this person could be so the donor was kind of like i suppose quite a neutral term for me um for this person that i had no idea who they were um but then when i decided to dna test myself which was only in 2019 the end of 2019 going into 2020 i actually through extensive genealogy i was able to um locate my biological father um and he's got a name i call him jonathan and um he you know that's that's what i refer to him as but i think because i actually know who jonathan is he, you know he's a real person now if that makes sense um he's not just this mythical creature um calling him the donor just seems a bit cold to me now and now that i know who he is so um you know i wouldn't refer to jonathan as my dad because i've got a dad but i still think that the correct term for me and it's a term that people recognize as well when you say biological father or genetic father you know society knows what that means um so for me it feels more of an appropriate term to use I, i'm not sure if that kind of makes sense <laughs> it does make sense it does make sense i guess i and i've been reading debates on this as well and as a parent of donor conceived children I, i'm wondering about the terminology to be used and how they may feel about it and what they may want to call him and i also feel um strange sometimes just knowing a number and not even knowing his name and i yeah i wish that we did know his name because it becomes less mythical and it's more it's a person and um otherwise a number just as you said makes it sound like it's just not real yeah it is really difficult like um i know sort of jumping forward a little bit with our with our children now that are they're four and a half and obviously they're sort of getting to grips with you know different types of language and what you can call different things um and we what we've kind of decided my wife and i because there isn't a lot like you know we've spoken briefly before coming on on live here but there isn't a huge amount of research out there about terminology um there is research about um donor conception in general but there isn't a lot 
yeah, you know, the, you know, the actual practical elements of talking to your children about being donor conceived and what terms are recommended. So what my wife and I have decided to do um, is, is kind of just leave those options open for our children. So like I say, in an ideal world, um, we would love to know the identity, you know, the, the actual donor's name, if you like. So our children's biological father, because it would make it a lot easier when we're, when we're sort of making reference to him. But um, so what we what we do do is we use terms like the donor and we're careful not to say your donor because he actually donated to my wife and I, not to our children, if that makes sense. So just little tweaks like that we, we are very conscious of. And we will, you know, we have interchanged terms like genetic father and things like that into conversations with the children. And our hope is that as they become older and become more aware of um, the situation and can under, I think, um, child psychologists believe that children can kind of get more ideas about identity formation about the age of six or seven. So our children are a little bit sort of way off that at the moment. But our hope is by by not um, excluding terms, you know, um, by keeping lots of terms in our vocabulary in the house, as they get older, they may then, you know, adopt a term that they feel comfortable, whether that's the donor, biological father, what you know, whatever it may be. Um, and then they were sort of leaving them up to them really what they want to what they want to call him you're right it probably is slightly age dependent isn't it because uh for with children age four and three at the moment they wouldn't have a clue what the word genetic meant yeah it's very difficult and um you know for me and my wife obviously we're in a same-sex relationship so you've got the whole um hot topic of the word dad dad to them means you know what a role that they see on CBBs or whatever, or, you know, the dads at the school gate that are picking up the kids. Um, and what we didn't want to do, because people say, oh, you know, would you ever use that term? And I say, well, at the moment, we wouldn't because our children, we don't want them to get confused that there's going to be a dad that's going to turn up and fulfill that role within our family. Um, but obviously, as they get, I, I do know of families that have got donor conceived children that when their children are, you know, teenagers and they, are aware of genetics and they are aware fully aware if you like of um that you know there is a, a third person that has been able to help their parents have them they may refer to them as like bio dad or you know um donor dad and i can understand why a child might want even if they've been raised in a family that with two mums for example without the dad role they may feel happier using those terms and to be honest i think at that point we'll you know, we can have those chats with our children and, and you know, and, and see what they feel. But with, like you say, a three and a four year old, it's, it's it's that fine line between trying to be open and honest with them, but not to confuse them. And that's what we're kind of conscious of at the moment. Absolutely. But also you can only do what you can do, can't you? As in you've got yeah. to carry on living your life as well um, and mentioning it when you can and when it's appropriate, but not being so fixated on it that it takes over your life. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It can, some people I think go down the rabbit hole a little bit with it. Um, and, and to be fair, I've done it as well. And um, yeah, you, you can get a little bit um, too hung up, I suppose, on the terms, but I think, um, yeah, just, just entertaining the idea that there is a, you know, another person in your family, whether you're a single parent by choice or in a same sex relationship or, you know, a heterosexual relationship, just entertaining the fact that there is another person that has been involved in, in you know in creating your children um and not not just shutting it down because I think some people in the past and especially you know you know even my parents era they were told to keep everything a secret to never talk about it again um you know 
and never talk to your friends and family about it, certainly not your children. Um, and I think the problem with that is it kind of, like I said before, it, it can kind of um, breed this kind of cycle of shame where people yes. don't, you know, and they're not happy to talk about it. Yeah. We were talking about this before we started chatting today, but there is an amazing book out there by Sensitive Matters. I don't know if you've heard of them. And yes, I have. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So we've just made them for our children and we've got one for each of them. We've got one daughter and then twins, boy, girl, twins. And basically what you can do is personalize them digitally. So we created the story with our eldest daughter, who's four, and got her to be a part of doing it. So she helped pick the photos, read the story to her, and she loved being involved in that process. Didn't fully understand it, but is picking up quite a lot of the words, was very excited about seeing us together before, seeing the doctor involved, seeing the aeroplane going aboard to have the treatment, discussing seeds and eggs, um, and just trying to demystify it and I found that through doing that with her where there's actually pictures of people she knows it has helped make it more real and us to discuss the story more so than using donor books which have um, just cartoon characters or illustrations because it is so personalized and if anyone wants to check out sensitive matters I've just looked up the code it's the code is FHH15 for 15% off until the end of February if you'd like to look at their books and how they could support you in whatever unique situation you might be in. What's been your experience of telling your children and materials to help the process? Yeah, you definitely. And I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I think that goes for any children's book, isn't it? If the children can see themselves and your family represented in the book, they're instantly more you know, attracted to it, that, you know, they're more engaged. Um, and the, the donor conception books, you know, there are, there are a few out there now and they're, they're gaining pace a bit more and there's more titles available, more different, um, different types of family set up all to do with donor conception, which I think is great. And, um, but it's the books that you're able to personalize. that I found like there's ones um, like the donor conception network do one, and they've got a little section at the back um, that you can put some extra information in um, uh, what makes a baby um I think it's Corey Silverberg, I think is the surname, is another fantastic book, which basically um, is completely gender neutral and goes through this, how you make a baby um, and things like that with really great illustrations. And yeah, I definitely found um, the more personalised the book, you can make it. Like we've even done our own little book, if you like, um, with pictures and things. And it it is a lot easier um, for the children to kind of be engaged because sometimes at that age, it's trying to keep, their attention is half the battle, isn't it? Um, than trying to actually get them to um, sit down and listen to you. So, yeah, anything like that, I think, is fantastic. So anyone listening, you can get a discount on it, which we'll link in the description. But I can't tell you how excited our eldest was when it arrived in the post and she got to see it in print after helping us put it together. It was just such a nice activity to do together. And now each of them has got their own copy in their bedroom, which says the magic of and then their name. Oh, that's amazing. No, I bet I bet they, it's like you say, it's um, because it's so personalised and they've been involved in creating it as well. Um, I just think it's, it's a great step forward, I think, from the existing books that are out there I think it's um it's a really progressive thing and I know sensitive um matters they did a a recent um call out I think to parents and donor conceived people about what to refer to the donor as um 
So they're obviously thinking, you know, a bit, a bit outside the box a little bit about um, how to sort of develop their products a bit further as well, which I think is great. Um, Definitely. And I think it's not just the personalised pictures. It's also being able, which really helped me with the terminology being able to write what you want to write and tweak the text so mm-hmm. for example I didn't personally feel comfortable writing sperm when talking about mixing eggs and sperm together just because they feel so young at this moment in time it's quite a sort of old term to use so yeah. I picked the word seeds because it just was a little bit less aggressive for a yeah. four-year-old where you wouldn't normally talk about where babies come from um and so being able to shape that text was really helpful to make it so so particular to your to, to their unique story yeah definitely and like I've I've don't think I've read hardly any books actually that I would agree entirely with the text in the book. Like I, like yourself, there's always something I read it and I'm like, Ooh, I'm not quite sure about that phrase. And to be honest, I tend to actually change it when I'm reading the book to the, to, to our children, I'll change it to how I you know, want to say it. But ideally, like you say, to be able to edit it to your choice um, is great, isn't it? Because it's there and it's something that you and your family, it's like, it's like a consistency there, isn't it? With the, with the book and what you're sort of saying to your children away from the book. Totally. Um, so how did you and your wife choose a donor what was the process like from having found out that you were donor conceived yourself well um I don't know if your listeners are aware but in the UK um donor anonymity was um removed in 2005 anyway um so which was a you know quite landmark um case ruling in its time compared to the rest of the world um where anonymity is still obviously legal so um one of the big things for, for me being a donor conceived person is just making sure that our children had that identifying information, um, you know, of their biological um, father that, you know, that I didn't have. Um, but because of the laws in the UK, that was kind of, a, you know, a given anyway. Um, but yeah, the only other thing that we did consider was using a, a known donor. Um, but to be honest, we, we just didn't really have any suitable candidates that we knew. Um, there was one guy who we did consider, but um, we had a number of conversations with him um, and it kind of basically came out that he would more he was more interested in like a co-parenting type situation, which um, wasn't what me and my wife were sort of looking for. Um, and he also had some medical complications as well. So we kind of sadly had to kind of um, discount him. So we were kind of left with, you know, the choices of obviously using um, using a sperm bank Um and to be honest, we weren't uh, sort of a, another complication is that my wife, um, we, my, my wife wanted to car- carry the children and, and be pregnant. But um, and we, she's always dreamed of doing that since she was very young. So we went for some initial tests at the clinic and we found out that her egg reserve, her AMH test was extremely poor for her age. Um, and we were basically told that you need to get going and get going quickly to harvest the eggs at least. Um, so what, I wouldn't say it was rushed, but we felt a little bit like time was ticking with that element. And, and of course, I, I didn't have any sperm, so we needed some sperm. So we looked at the clinic bank, um, but they only had like four or five, I think, options at the time. Um, and none of which had any kind of, you know, they weren't fair haired or blue eyed sort of like myself because we wanted the donor to kind of look a little bit like me. So we then looked at other sperm banks. And so that was the route we went down. We, we actually used a, a donor from, um, from a sperm bank, um, obviously an, a, an open ID for an 18 donor. 
um yeah so, so that's kind of the kind of the route we went down um and that was in 2016 so thank you so much for sharing your story is there anything that you think the the listeners would find useful to know in terms of how you're talking to your children now i mean we've covered quite a lot of it in terms of books and language and reference points but anything else that you think people might want to consider when they're in the throes of trying to conceive i think Definitely what I would say is um, if you're in, the, well, anywhere, actually, if you're um, you're having treatment and you're going to use um, especially sperm from a sperm bank or a donor from a sperm bank is make sure you ask the clinic a lot of questions about that donor. So when I, when, what I mean by that is actually, so f- for example, in the UK, um, the things like family limits and stuff are, are, are restricted to 10 families from one donor if you're using a UK donor. But obviously, if you're using a donor from outside of the UK, for example, so you're you're bringing a don't you know donor sperm in from an external bank that's not UK based, those family limits don't necessarily apply just for the UK. So, for example, you could have um, so in the states, um, if you're using um, a sperm bank from overseas, uh, there may only be ten family limits in the UK, but that donor may have been used in America. Germany, France, Australia, you know, Russia, you know, all over the world. So I would just say, ask, um, my, my main piece of advice would be don't take it as gospel from your clinic um, where the donors come from. Just because it's a UK don- a donor, you know, a, a UK clinic doesn't mean that the donor has necessarily come from the UK and that those laws apply. So because um, obviously that can have dramatic impacts on sort of family limits and things like that. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that. They just think, oh, I've had I've had treatment in the UK. So there's only 10 families, but that's 10 families just in the UK, not worldwide. Um, so, yeah, that's just something to consider. Um, and just, yeah, like get, um, listen to donor conceive people's voices. You know, I'm just one person's voice, I suppose. There's quite a few accounts now on Instagram popping up um and lots of discussions happening there's lots of research going on at the moment about how best to tell your children um there's a great uh, research study going on by a lady called patricia her her Bersher, i think is how you pronounce her surname um at the university of illinois and she is doing a study called the tell tool study which is looking about how best to tell children so going back to sort of the practical elements um, and helping parents, you know, have those discussions with their children. So, yeah, just um, just look a bit further afield is all I'd say and what's out there and what's there to help us because it, it is hard and it's not – people say, oh, just tell your children, but it, have it, you know, I'm a parent as well and I'm even though I'm donor-conceived, I still struggle with those conversations sometimes. So, And I think that's totally normal to feel like that. That's fascinating to hear. And you're right, it is totally normal and people shouldn't feel um, bad if they have anxieties around it, should they? Not at all. And it's really difficult, you know, and it's really personal. And a lot of the times people have um, come into the world of donor conception and had children using a donor and they've had lots of, um, you know, issues even get into that stage, you know, whether it's through infertility, through medical problems, failed attempts with maybe their own eggs or their partner's sperm. Um and then all of a sudden you've got these lovely little bundles and it's like, oh, right. OK, now now what do we do? How do we tell them about the donor? And it, it can become a bit overwhelming and I, it's totally understandable. And um, if you are feeling like that, you're not alone and it is it is normal. And hopefully, like I say, um, you know, there's a lot more counsellors and therapists out there that are kind of in tune with these 
um, issues and maybe try and reach out to one of those or support groups and things like that. And going back to the Donor Conception Network are great and they've, uh, they're they UK based and have been around for a long time and they've got lots of experience of where they can sort of signpost you. Absolutely. But um, Hayley, I really appreciate you sharing everything today. So thank you so much for coming on. No, you're very welcome. And thanks for having me. And um, thanks for, um, for everyone that's uh, taken the time to listen today. And we'll link your handle to this as well, because anyone who is interested in donor conception should follow your account for some brilliant experiences, shared thoughts, everything that can support people. So thank you for everything that you do for the community as well. Well, thank you. Yeah, I could say it's a brand new account. I've only only set it up back in September after I did like a, a similar sort of interview for an American company, actually, about donor conception. And um, I've had a really positive um, few months, lots of great feedback. And um, yeah, like I say, just welcome anyone wants to ask me any questions. Um, like I say if you link through my it's DCP underscore journey to RP. Um, a bit of a long winded uh, handle. I didn't really think too much about that when I set it up. But uh, <laughs> if you manage to find me, I'm, my um, messages are always open if you've got any questions or anything as well. Wonderful. Thank you, Hayley. No problem. Take care.